All right, so you guys today have the joy of watching me run around like crazy, trying to fill in because E is not here, um, and it's a little bit crazy. Now, I don't know if you noticed when you walked in, um, but there are lions as you walk in the door. I don't know why they're there, and I don't know what they mean, but I really want to know because they look really cool. So if anybody knows what the lions mean, let me know um, because I'm really dying to know. So here's what we've been doing. We've been walking through our series called The Death of Death. And here's the thing about seeing death dead. To experience death being dead, you have to actually pass through death. Unless Jesus comes right now, rips open this ceiling and says, hey guys, I'm here and I brought heaven with me and all things are right now. Unless that happens, we have to actually pass through death in order to experience the death of death. And that pattern Listen, that pattern carries through life in this world. Courage comes as you walk through fear. Healing comes as you walk through pain. And life comes as you walk through your own brokenness. And I want to tell you this, American Christians... American Christians have a very poor understanding of our own brokenness. Like, we think we're supposed to pretend like everything is good, everything is okay, when we are, we, we are breaking inside, yet we feel like, oh, I gotta be a good Christian, so I gotta put on this show. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but have you ever met a Christian who is doing this, and you know, something happens, like, this is an extreme example, but let's say they stub their toe, and they say, oh, I just stubbed my toe, praise God, today is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it, I just stubbed my toe, and you're like, hey, you just stubbed your toe, why are you saying that? Oh, because God is just so good, and you just kind of want to throw up in your mouth a little bit when that happens. Can I just tell you, if you're a Christian, don't have to be like that. And that isn't what Christianity is. What Christianity, real Christianity feels like this. You find real life in the midst of your brokenness. And you find healing in the midst of your pain and you take, cur- take hold of courage in the midst of fear because of who you're taking hold of. If you will just allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be broken, it's then and only then that you will discover all of who Christ is and you will see him finally as the savior that you were meant to see him as. And until then, you will never discover and meet the real Jesus. And I don't know how to say this any way else, but it is as we walk through the pain that we find true joy. I mean, true joy, real joy, joy that fights its way up to the top in the midst of no matter what we are going through. Real healing that fights its way through our brokenness. And I'm not, I'm not talking about physical healing here, though it might include that. What I'm talking about is the deep healing in the depths of your soul. I'm talking about healing that penetrates something that is impenetrable 
penetration that only happens because of what Christ has done. We're in John 19 in our series. We've been walking through. We're about a year and a half into John, and we're in verse 31 through 37. Here's what it says. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So the first question we have to ask is what's going on with his, bro- with his not having his bones broken? Like, Why is that such a big deal? Why is John, the writer, putting so much emphasis on Jesus' bones not being broken? Well, all throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, not having broken bones is a sign of being whole. It's a sign of being righteous, meaning you are completely pure-hearted in your pursuit of God. There's no sin in you. You're perfectly, you're walking perfect with God, the one who is whole. Look, well, let me show you, watch this. Psalm 34 Verses 19 and 20 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, del- the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. In other words, this is the one, the unbroken one, whose soul remains whole. An unbroken soul. That's what this is saying. Jesus' bones are not being broken. This is a metaphor for he is whole. He is the perfectly righteous one. And that, he right here, is being contrasted with the, with the rest of humanity. I want to show you two ways that we are broken. Broken in a lot of ways, but two particular ways I want to show you. First, we are broken by this world. It is harsh, it is violent, and it steals life away from us. It steals life away from the ones that we love, and it breaks us every single day in either subtle ways or in terrible ways. But this world is violent against us. That's the first way we're broken. Second way we're broken is we're broken by ourselves. Our sin is breaking us. Our sin is harming us. We are self-destructing. But something so fascinating and a bit confusing about the Bible is that it says something. It talks about how God breaks the bones of those that he loves. Again, this is a metaphor. And what this is, is this is a way for God to get deep into your heart in places where you not, usually will not let him and deep into your soul to bring healing 
broken to bring healing. I just want to use, now just stick with me, keep an open mind here. Let me use, let me use King David as an example. So King David is a, a beautiful example of someone who is broken and he is healed by his brokenness. And David actually says, it is God who has broken my bones. So, watch, so, so here's the thing with David. David is a man after God's own heart. God loves David. David loves God. But one day, David messes up royally. David's a king, so he messes up royally. And here's what he does. He sees a woman bathing naked. And because he's a king, he tells his people, hey, go get her for me. And apparently, if you're a king, then people just say, okay, I'll do that for you. So she comes to him, and then they do what people who are alone and naked do together. And then she becomes pregnant. Now, here's the problem. Her name's Bathsheba, and Bathsheba was a married woman. And now she's pregnant, and so watch what David does. He says, okay, he says to his, to his army leaders, take him, take Bathsheba's husband, and put him on the front lines so that he dies. And then he dies. And then God, well then, David's friend Nathan comes to David and is like, hey, you messed up, man. And then all of a sudden, like, why, we do not know why all of a sudden David just becomes aware of his sin, but he becomes very aware of his sin and he begins to weep about it. He is cru- being crushed underneath the weight of his sin. And here's what he says. He becomes painfully aware of his brokenness and here's what he says. God, forgive me of my sins so that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. So that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. And then he talks about having a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Now, contrite heart means literally, it's a heart that is crushed. Oh, well, it's not literally, but it means the heart that is crushed under the weight of your own sin. So David's, the weight of David's sin right now is crushing him. And so what does he do? He cries out to God. And according to David... When God is crushing him under the weight of his sin in a way, so he becomes painfully aware of his sin, David cries out to God, and then God showers him with grace. And that is why his bones are rejoicing. His broken bones are rejoicing because he is a sinner that has found grace. That is why. And that's what it looks like to be broken by God. He makes us painfully aware of our own sin, so that we might discover him, the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. So that we, listen, we become painfully aware of our sin, and we, oh my gosh, I'm way more sinful than I knew I was. But then we say, because we come to grace, and we say, oh my gosh, I am far more loved than I ever dared hope was possible. That is our sin breaking us. But then... We're also saying that the world breaks us. Listen to this. This is Ezekiel 34, 16. By the way, we are all in the Old Testament today, so this is all Old Testament happening around here. I mean, the lines are probably something to do with the Old Testament. I don't know what they mean. I still really want to find out. Nobody's told me yet, and I asked you guys to tell me. You haven't told me, but listen to this. Isaiah 34, 16 says, I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, and bind up the broken. 
Maybe this world has broken you by pain, by sickness, by failure, by loss. And whether the world is breaking you or you're being broken underneath the weight of your sin, either case, the key thing here is that it is as we are broken, it's only then that we go to God to find healing. And that's when the real healing comes. And only then. And it's actually, so this whole idea of being broken to be healed isn't as weird as it sounds. So if, if a doctor is going to heal your heart, if you, if you need heart surgery, the doctor breaks your bones in order to get deep into your heart. So he's got to break you to heal you. He's got to break you to get to your heart. God will use what the world has done to you. It's as if your chest has been broken open by the world. And he'll use that to heal you. Or he'll use the sin that you have that seems to be crushing you and you become painfully aware of it and he'll use that. And that, has been, that opens up your chest and he begins to heal your heart. And he does all this. I mean, he's, he's allowing us to be broken so that we'll finally... Guys, I know this is like, this is so hard. Like, but he will allow us to be broken so that we will finally cry out to him and discover Again, the greatest thing that has ever happened to us, our Savior, our Rescuer. We need to become very aware of our, our, we've got to be vulnerable and we've got to become aware of our brokenness so we will go to the one who will finally bring healing to us. Instead of, because this is what we do, we fight our brokenness. We say, ah, no, I'm not, I'm not broken. We feel like as Christians, if you're a Christian, you say, ah, no, I'm not broken. So, this is, this is a bit of my tendency that I have to do. So I, I tend to be a fighter in a, in a few ways. So uh, if, if something about me feels broken, I work as hard as I can to make it unbroken. I mean, I fight against it to fix it. Um, something around me is broken. I fight, fight to it to fix it. Um, a lot of people uh, might call that stubborn. I call it determined. Uh, but... So I tend to just keep fighting. Um, When I was younger, I got in a few fights, probably more than your average pastor, but this was a long time ago. And, um, And I didn't start any of them, but I wouldn't stop. Uh, No matter how hard I got punched or whatever, uh, one time I got jumped, I got knocked out, and I woke up and someone was punching me, and so then I just kept punching. I just kept fighting because I wasn't broken enough. Recently, with everything going on with my son, he's having medical issues, I got broken big time. And I couldn't fight anymore. I got to the point to where I was just, I can't fight anymore at all. And that's when God did his most wonderful work in me. The brokenness brought healing. And the brokenness made me closer to God, closer to my wife, Elise, and closer to my kids. Last Sunday, someone was telling me about a prayer that they prayed to God, and they knew that they needed to pray this prayer to God, and they were scared to do it, but they did it. God, I'm not broken enough. And it was a courageous prayer. And here's why. 
Because by praying, what this person is saying is that either I am not yet aware enough of my, painfully aware enough, enough of my own sin yet, and I'm not coming to you like I should. Or I have just not, I'm not aware yet enough of my brokenness, so I'm not coming to you like I know I should. We're holding back from God because we're stubborn. We fight, and we fight against him. And it's not until we become aware of our brokenness that we'll finally go to him. There's this line in Romans that says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Mean, meaning, as crazy as it sounds, David experienced it where God is allowing our bones to be broken because of the weight of our sins so that we will become painfully aware of our sin and then cry out to God and find the sweet taste of grace. God is fighting for you. This is all throughout the Old Testament. God fights for his people. It says it over and over and over again. God is fighting for you. And he will take what the world has done for, to you and he will somehow work it out to bring good because he's fighting for you and that's what he does. And sometimes the thing that's, anything that stands between you and God, God fights it. And here's the thing. Sometimes, do you know what stands between you and God? You. And God wants you. And so he lets you see the weight of your sin so that you will become broken underneath it and then finally cry out for a rescuer to come and lift the sin up off of you and lift the weight of the world up off of you. Something that hurts that brings healing, like a chest being opened up for heart surgery. Two weeks ago when we were at the hospital with Cruz, they had to draw blood and They've had to do this a few times so he knew what was about to happen. And he was crying, saying, please, please don't let them do this. Please don't let them do this. Please don't let them do this. And what do we know? We're fighting for him. We want him to get better. So what do we do? We let them draw blood. Because we knew that that hurt would bring healing. We're often saying to God, why are you doing this to me? And here's the reason. Because God loves you and he's fighting for you. He's fighting for you more than you are fighting for yourself. And you will not go to him until you see that. And you will not see that until you are broken. Healing comes when we go to him. So, okay, we're processing that question. Okay, so we gotta process it. We gotta, we're processing this. Here's the question we gotta ask. Why does going to God bring healing? Why does, why does he, why is he the one by going to him are we healed? Here's the answer. Because his unbroken body of bones is pierced. His unbroken body of bones is pierced. Watch, so... Our verses say his bones weren't broken. Now, normally what would happen is if, if somebody is hanging on a cross, in order for them to survive, 
they have to push up with their legs or else they'll suffocate. And it's a very painful process. But if you break their legs, what they'll end up doing is suffocating. Now, here's the reason why they want to break his bones right now. Because in Deuteronomy, it says that cursed is anyone who is hanging on a tree or on a cross, and you must remove them from that tree or that cross before the day is over or the land will be cursed. So they're saying, okay, well, we need to do that right now. So they go and they start breaking all of the bones of the people on a cross. But when they come to Jesus, they find out he's already dead. And so no bones need to be broken. But also remember, his bones being unbroken is a metaphor. Meaning, he is not broken at all. He's perfectly sinless. He is unmoved by the broken world. We are weak and he is strong. And then we say, well, David, don't offend me by calling me weak. And I just say, if that offends you, you're just simply not aware of your brokenness yet. And eventually this world will sucker punch you or eventually you will sucker punch yourself by your own sin. And in a world that punches and body slams and crushes, Jesus remains unbroken. In other words, the world can do the worst to him, evil can do the worst to him, but he will not be broken by it. And because he remains unbroken, we can be healed by him. This is how you've got to think about it. Inside of him, he is unbroken. That means within him is the elixir of life. It's the elixir of holiness. And when he, the unbroken man, is pierced, life flows out of him to bring healing to you and the world. Like we're searching all over. We're willing to pay whatever the cost is to find healing. And Jesus says, ah, just come to me. It costs me everything. It costs you nothing. Yet at the same time, it costs you your life. You give yourself over to him. He is pierced and life flows out of him because he is whole. All right, so why do I say that? Why do I say life is flowing out of him? It talks about the blood and the water. By the way, medically, if someone is pierced, blood and water can flow out of them. I don't quite know how, the, how it works. I just know that doctors say, no, this can happen. But here's what's happening here. With this blood in the water, we say, okay, well, what does this mean, blood and water? Well, scholars have been trying to figure this out. What is meant by blood and water? And here's what they said. Now, listen, if you're like a, if you're like a Bible junkie and you like want to know all about the Bible, this is going to be very exciting for you. If you're not, just stick with me, okay? Okay, ready? So, here are the three thoughts of the scholars. One group says that when blood and water come out, this is a testimony that Jesus is a man. He is God and man at the same time. Because at this time, when John is writing this, there's this big debate over Jesus. And there's this thing called doicism, which basically comes out and says, Jesus was not a man, he was just purely God, and that's it. He just appeared to be a man. But he was all fully God. And what John is doing is he's saying, no, Jesus is a man and God. He is God become man in order to bring man back to God. Okay, are you with me here on this? 
Okay, this is, okay, good. So God becomes man in order to bring man back to God so that man can live. Life is in him. That's the first group of scholars. The second group says, okay, the water represents baptism and the blood represents communion. And so in baptism, when you go down into the water, you are going down into death and you come back out of it into life. And then when you take communion, the bread and the cup, that's a way of saying that you are feasting on this elixir that gives you life, that nourishes you. Okay, so the first one essentially says, is blood and water give you life. Second one, blood and water give you life. The third is talking about how he is pierced for our transgressions, meaning his blood is shed so that we might have forgiveness of sins. What brings death? Sin. World was perfect. Sin enters the world. Death enters the world. Forgiveness of sins brings life. Okay, so that's the third one. So all these scholars are arguing about what is going on with Jesus' blood and water coming out, and they're all saying essentially the same thing, brings life. Okay, so I'm done with that. So if that was exciting for you, you can tell me. If it wasn't, tell me that so I know not to do that again. So the bottom line is, he is our only hope for healing. When he is pierced, life is given to the broken. And we, you know what we got to do? We got to learn how to live in the tension of our brokenness and our healing. Both at the same time. We're experiencing them both at the same time. So there's typically two types of people. You say there's a positive person and a negative person. And what Jesus is saying is, Hey, there's a third way to live. Look at me, guys, look at me. There's a positive person, negative person, then there's the third way to live, what Jesus is saying. And this is the person who has hope in the midst of struggle. They're realistic, but they're hopeful at the same time. Joy in the pain. It's not joy outside of the pain. It's joy that has fought its way up through the pain. And then, it's healing that fights its way up through our broken bones. Okay, listen to to the lyrics of this song. It's a band called King's Kaleidoscope, and the song's called Light After Darkness. Now listen to this. Light After Darkness. This captures perfectly what we're talking about. Light After Darkness, Gain After Loss, Strength After Weakness, Crown After Cross, Sweet After Bitter, Hope after fears, home after wandering, praise after tears, sheaves before sowing, sun after rain, sight after mystery, peace after pain, joy after sorrow, calm after blast, rest after weariness, sweet rest at last. The thing is that good comes after the bad. Because we live in a broken world and we are broken. And the beauty of it all is that it's in the midst of the brokenness that we find our sweet Savior giving life, bringing healing. In all honesty, I don't think we think much of Christ until we've come to that place where we are broken. 
feel the weight of your broken. I'm just right now, feel the weight of it. It's your sin where it's the world just piling on top of you. When you feel it, that's when you're meant, that's when you're ready to meet the real Christ. See, once you start feeling the weight of this all, John does something here. He starts telling you something. He starts telling you about how these promises were made long ago that yes, we are broken, but there will come a day when one comes to heal us. And John keeps saying, hey, we've been talking about him. And he's here now. And he says, let me prove it to you. And he says, quotes. Look at what he says. He talks about the one whose bones will not be broken. Now, let me tell you this. So this, the Passover lamb. Here's how the story goes. The Israelites are stuck in slavery and they need to be freed. And so God says, okay, I'm going, I, I'm going to send the angel of death over the land. But you're going to be covered and here's why. I want you to take a lamb without any broken bones and slay it, and then take the blood and smear it over your doorpost. Okay, that sounds super weird, but just ignore why that sounds weird, and just watch what it's pointing to. Christ, all over the New Testament, is called the new Passover lamb, who was slain, whose blood was shed, so that the angel of death might never touch us again, has no claim over us. Then we take, go back to the Deuteronomy one. It says, cursed is anyone who's hanging on a tree and cursed is the land because of it. Well, Jesus takes on that curse on the cross. He becomes a curse so that the curse of sin and death might not have hold of us any longer. Zechariah 12.10. Listen to this one. When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, so here's what's interesting. When they look on me, so this is God speaking. When they look on me, on him who they have pierced, you're like, okay, if you're reading the Old Testament, you're like, okay, that's saying God is gonna be pierced. Huh. They shall mourn over him as one mourns for an only child and weeps bitterly over him as one be- weeps for a firstborn. I mean, everything that's talked about long ago is matching perfectly with Jesus' life. What else do we do but bow to him? And it's not only that. It's not only all of these promises have been made. And it's not only that he brings healing in the midst of brokenness, but look at what else it is. He doesn't watch you be broken at a distance. He doesn't watch you suffer at a distance. He comes into the pain with you and bears it to its end on the cross and takes the suffering that is not meant for him, but is meant for you, and he makes it his own so that you can have life in him. Belief is a journey into your brokenness towards your healer. How do you find him? You take your brokenness, and you go to the scripture. And you say, God, prove it to me. I'm here and I'm broken. Show me that this is true. Show me that this is real. And you pour out your heart, searching the scriptures. 
And it's then that you find him in the midst of your brokenness. And you don't find, listen how you find him. You don't find him as a good man. And you don't find him as a good teacher. You find him as a healer. If you have not found him as a healer, you have not met the real Jesus. Because he is first and foremost primarily a healer and a savior. Everything else second. Meeting him in your brokenness. I I met with um, someone who has helped start hundreds of churches. And he's, he's a man that's older than me. He doesn't have gray hair. He has white hair. He's very wise. And he said to me, usually when someone becomes a Christian, they become a Christian before they're 18. And if after, it's usually because of an, a deep awareness of their own brokenness. He said, usually that's how it happens. A courageous prayer to pray. It's God, show me my brokenness. Show me why all these people are making so much of you. The rabbi here, he said to me, we're a lot alike. I hope that wasn't him listening. We're, he said, we're a lot alike. We do. We have, a, we have essentially the same values. Jewish faith, Christian faith, same values of love. Love God, love others. He said, You're, it's just, you guys just make too much of Jesus. Here's our problem, actually. We don't make enough of him. We make too little of him, not too much of him. A courageous prayer to pray. God, show me my need for you. A courageous prayer to pray is, God, let me feel the weight of my sin and the weight of the world so that I might feel the weight of grace lifting the weight of the world off of me and the weight of sin off of me so I might be free no matter what I'm walking through. I am free because you have taken everything off of me. The weight is gone. Stop holding back. Feel the weight of it all. Go to him. The grove, the name, comes from Isaiah 61. And here's what it says. The broken hearted will be healed. And those same broken hearted will be called oaks of righteousness. So we are broken. Now, righteous means you're whole. You don't have any bones broken. We go from being broken to made whole because of Christ. And then here's what it says. Those broken people who have been made whole, they will rebuild the ruined cities of the world. And what this is saying is that it takes the people who have been broken and healed to go and reach the broken cities of the world and the broken people of the world and to help heal them by pointing them to the one who has helped heal them so everybody could see just how wonderful Jesus is. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. So we, let's just go to him. And the parts of us that are just holding back, 
Say, God, show me how bad I need you. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you that in the midst of the brokenness, you do bring healing. In the midst of the pain, you bring life. God, we pray that you would teach us to see you, to know you, that we'd stop holding back from you. Whatever fear is keeping us from you, whatever pride, whatever sin, steal it away so that we might find you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.